This week on the podcast, we are all about CBU's flexible pathways. So we will be talking with Troy Parody from Nexus. We'll be talking with Stan Williams around the agreement between CBU and St. Mike's and how students might be able to complete dual enrollment coursework in within uh, in-house at CBU. We'll talk with Tammy Jo Dickinson about uh, her courses that um, would be considered flexible pathways, specifically Nexus Academic Internship and Financial Accounting. We will also talk with Susie Moakley about her Community College of Vermont courses that students can take here in the building. There's a lot of other flexible pathways, but those are the four that we're going to highlight in this podcast. We hope that everybody gleans a few pieces of information, find something that's interesting. I think you'll find all of it worthwhile and hopefully something that students will want to integrate into their four-year plans. And we'll talk to you next week. Tons of information in the show notes. And uh, when appropriate, I'll make sure that there's tons of show links. I'm still putting the episode together, so I don't know what those will be, but I'm sure there'll be plenty. Thanks again. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Tell me, what, what is Nexus, first of all? Or what is the history of Nexus? What's its origin? Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Russ. This is a great opportunity to, to share with people who don't know. And I think sometimes we make the assumption that everybody knows about it because we live in it. Yep. <laughs> and and that's that's the wrong assumption. So the quick elevator, I always try and have, I always even ask the kids to boil their project down to a quick elevator pitch. And the, the really brief, brief description, which it's far more than that, is that Nexus is every elective we don't offer. So if it's if it's not uh, currently in our um, course booklet, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It means we have to figure out how you can do it and what it might look like. And if, and if we can pull it off, then you can create a Nexus project doing that. Um, Nexus started six years ago, and it probably actually really started seven years ago. Um, Adam Bunting had come back here from uh, Montpelier High School where he was the principal for a few years and they had a personalized learning program down there and he was very um, very interested and motivated to have CVU get one off the ground we didn't really we had we had several things going and happening through splintered uh, groups but nothing really formalized so a, a committee was put together and we went and visited eight or nine schools in Vermont and a couple out of Vermont and looked at their personalized learning programs, platforms, and how they worked and tried to get some background information. And then we pulled that information all back and we really examined what would work for our community. Every school is different. The culture is different. The resources around them uh, are different. Um, you know, some schools are more urban, some are more rural. And we, we tried to put together a program that we think works for our community and, and our students. Which brought us to Nexus. Nexus is an elective course that any student can take as many times as they want, really. Is it just um, elective? It's so, yeah, I'll get to that. So okay. it, it's elective in nature, but you can earn graduation requirements in a department track. So for instance, you can earn an English credit, you can earn uh, a practical art credit, a fine art credit, a science credit. You, you can lear- earn those um, credits. Um, we just have to help you structure your project in a way that it um, is meeting the targets and showing evidence in the targets for that department. So we work. We would work with a teacher um, of record from that department to make sure that the, the project that you're doing meets those requirements. There are three of us in the Nexus program. I am full-time um, directing all of it. We have two other half-time teachers, um, Peter Booth and Amy Wardwell currently. Um, Carly Rivard was with us originally in the beginning. Um, but we cover several different, different licensures. I'm certified in physical education and health. Peter is certified in math and English, and Amy is certified in social studies. Uh, and then we work with teachers from the other departments as needed when, when students wanna do something in, in other areas. Kids come to us with a lot of different um, 
sort of ideas. Some kids coming 100% knowing they want to do a deep dive and study China. You know, like we don't offer a course in Chinese history. And we had a student several years ago. She really wanted to look at the, the dynasties and how is current the current structure of China based on its historical um, past and do a deep dive. That student is actually currently living in China and has, <laughs> has studied over there. Um, so that's an example of a student who came in, knew what they wanted to do, wanted to do a deep dive in, in a content area that we didn't weren't able to make happen in our, in our other courses. Other students come knowing they just want something different. Um, s- some students come from uh, middle school backgrounds where they um, were more in much more in a project-based learning environment if they didn't come from the public school background. And they like that flexibility to sort of do a deep dive or bounce around a little bit and not be um, beholden to a very set curriculum structure. Um, our course is primarily based on skills transferable skills that they can use in any learning environment. So there is the the initial work is to do surface research to develop the questions. And students have to develop their questions of inquiry. Um, is this done, uh, sorry for interrupting, yep, but I'm, nope. I'm, I, you're, you're talking and I'm having questions um, and I'm sure you would get there, but is this done, because we have we have a couple different classes, mm-hmm. right? That as a school counselor, I can put it. I can put Troy Parity in Nexus Seminar, mm-hmm. or I can put Troy Parity in Nexus, and it's kind of my assumption is that it's kind of the independent study place because Nexus Seminar, which is only offered in two blocks, doesn't fit. So, can you tell me the difference between those yeah. two yeah. kind of pieces? Yeah, the, the, the biggest difference is the student who's not in the seminar just um, doesn't have the cohort around them um, but to, the, but to the work. But the work and the expectations are the, the same. same. The so work's the same. coming up with the, the inquiry questions yep. and those things, they're getting same. that in either yes, place. Yes, um, We prefer the students in the seminar because for various reasons. A, community we believe is important. So even though they're not all working on different projects and different learning, they have a, a community around them that is uh, similar minded in what they're doing. They also get to share and give feedback to each other and sometimes get great synergy. We've often had students uh, help each other with their projects and, and right. share some of their learning, you know, um, which is great. You know, an art student might help a student who's writing um, put, you know, put a piece of art to their literature. And um, we have students who are doing work in the shop with welding or woodworking, and they sometimes work together and help um, push themselves and, and share some skills and teach each other, which is obviously the, the, the ultimate point, is when we have students teaching other students, I mean, that's fantastic. That, that's when you got real, that, learning. That, that's when that, you got real learning that, going on. That, that's that's the, the, the sweet spot. Um, so to answer your question, how does it work? Students come in and they build, we start with a mind map, you know, like put your big idea, idea down on a blank piece of paper and we give them a whole bunch of prompts and we start building. We build out from the idea and, we, and they create and they keep building and layering. It's like going in the reverse onion. You know, <laughs> we, we start with the center of the onion and then we put layers around it and around it and around it. And so the onion keeps getting bigger, um, if that makes sense to you. And they, they start building some research. They, and then that, generally we say, you should continue to have more and more questions, not less. We're often not yep. trying to, yep. as we answer questions, we're, we're creating more questions in, in, in that deep dive. Um, so the, the goal is not necessarily ever to finish a project or to end the learning there's not like a there's not a final per se and you know there's not really ever in a chemistry course either right you're just done with however far you got in your chemistry at that point but in ours it's really clear it's like wherever you are at that moment in time is where you are and some students will we had a student the very very first year who wanted to build a tiny house and six years later, you can drive by, I can tell you right where it is in, in, uh, in Williston, and we drive by and he's continued to work on that tiny house. You know, he clearly didn't finish it his senior year. You know, he cut his own lumber and he sourced a trailer to put it on and he was drying the lumber and he had a, th- a 
sensor to see how dry the wood was and and now it's it's built and it's wrapped in uh, the wrap that they wrap the houses in the Tyvek and there's a couple windows in it but he doesn't have it sided yet I drive by it every summer and I'm like He's still working on that tiny house. And that's the part of it is that the learning is forever. And we talk about that, that in many ways, the students in Nexus are doing what any adult would do or does do in the real world. As an adult, if, if I want to learn something, I have to access resources to learn that. I either need to find them online. I need to find an expert. I need to decide what it is I really want to know. And then I got to commit to it. You know, how much time am I going to commit to this learning? How far do I want to go? How deep do I want my dive to be? Um, and then if I lose interest and get bored or I'm, I'm done with that, I can pivot. You know, and in Nexus, we embrace the pivot as long as it's appropriate. So if a student has gone down a path, say they want to do um, computer programming, and they're very excited about it, they get into it for six or seven weeks, and they're sort of like, mm, this is not... This is not what I was hoping it was going to be. Um, the The learning is not engaging for me. I I'd love to shift and turn to maybe graphic design or something on more on the front end, you know, than what this is. And we're like, great, that's awesome. You know, they're not in a computer programming course. They're in Nexus. Right. So now we just shift. We start with a new little mind map. You know, they've already done the process, so they know how it works. It usually can go a little bit quicker. And we start again. How can you transfer some of what you've learned from the computer programming into, you know, front-end graphics? What now do we need to get another person to consult with you and go to go visit a place and, and see what um, the differences are in, in the two things? Um, and they get to pivot. So that's beautiful, too, is that the students can, you know, we have students who will do, a, we had a student who did a project with us all four years on hmm. orchids. And this student actually was in oh, the- so they were doing or or a study in orchids for four years. Four years. This student uh, came with a lot of background knowledge already. Wanted to write a book about the orchids of New England and actually ended up writing a book. I don't know if it's published yet, but uh, this student mapped them around the world. This student then got into photography and did a whole bunch of high resolution, really close, amazing photography of orchids. This student then did drawing illustrations of the orchids to put in a book. So there was art, there was photography, there was the, um, there was all the, um, I'm gonna even lose the word, of the classification matrix yep. that they use in science to classify the different um, flowers and species. Phylum? Phylum? phylum, yeah, the phylums. And this student- I'm Not just a school counselor. Today. That's right, <laughs> we, we get a lot of words in high school we keep. Um, but this student was able to, over four years, keep a project that they were interested in fresh and changing and vibrant by continuing to pick up new aspects of it. So if, you, if we were to take that project, Troy, um, did that student just earn that elective credit or was that student like maybe able to earn four credits of science for that, yep. for that project? Great question. That student actually earned an English credit for writing for the book. For the book and yeah. and was getting and and we have a process to do that, you know, had to submit drafts and and get feedback and do revisions, had to show layout, had to show purpose and and writing for what's the audience. So, got an English credit and sometimes it changed you know, time to time like okay, I want to focus on the English part cuz I want to I want to check that box per se. We don't like to check boxes, but sometimes we still live in the real world yep. and we do have to check some boxes. So we said, okay, if we want to do the English credit, this has to happen. So that was focused on for a while. Then the student was doing this drawing. We're like, hold on, what? This, this is drawing. We have a course, drawing and illustration. They're like, this could be an art credit. And we went and the student and, and met with the art department and the student um, did all of the illustrations and got feedback and worked on them in the pencil drawings and got an art credit you know, a 0.5 art credit. And the student then did, at, obviously the science work was enormous, uh, had the work reviewed and presented and showed where the, where the targets were met for science and got a botany credit. So that student earned credits in, over the course well, of the time, multiple different, multiple different areas. That's a dream scenario and that's the real world. You know, in the real world, some science teachers always tell me like, there's no biology and chemistry and physics. In the real world, science is, is blended, you know, and, but we, we separate them out in school for, for instructional purposes and, and focus. But 
that orchid project and some of these other projects, they break down the walls. And it's it's what real, you know, real life and real learning is. It's complex and it and it crosses lines and that's the beauty of what we can do in, in Nexus. Um, and how, how are students uh, 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 it's it's a it's a typical school counselor question but and I realize it might be annoying but how are students evaluated like do they get do they get graded on that one to four scale do they get a pass yeah. fail and I'm assuming that there is some sort of agreed upon credit value at the end of like all right we're gonna do this book and it's botany and we're gonna give you half a credit of botany like, yep. how does yep. all of that happen so that happens uh early in the in the semester um students can be with us for just one semester they can be with us for a whole year they can be with us four years they can be with us their freshman year for a semester and come back their junior year um we're we're a landing spot for kids when they're when they're appropriately ready and they and they want to do this work so to answer your question let's start with how are they assessed in the course so just like every other course at cvu we are standards based we're on the one you know the four the four point scale um, we have four main targets that we um, that we assess students on. One is actual content knowledge. So even though we're not the experts in orchids, um, that student had to show us um, that there was content knowledge being learned and had to give evidence of the learning. Um, that is done by students setting goals and articulating those goals. We work in a two-week cycle. So they set a plan for two weeks. Um, they think about what do I, based on my big project sort of goal, what are, what are some things I wanna do in the next two weeks to help move me forward? So they set a two week goal. We help them with this. This is not, we don't expect them to know how to do all of this out of the gate. So we help practice this and, and learn this cycle learning. So they set goals for the two weeks. They put down uh, in their planning document how will I show somebody I achieved this goal? So if my goal is to learn about two new orchids that I don't know about, okay, uh, in the next two weeks, and I'm gonna provide evidence, how am I gonna show evidence? I can bring notes, I could put together a quick slideshow and, and share it with you, I could do a podcast, <laughs> you know, like, so we're really flexible on how kids can show and, and communicate their learning. Um, I might have drawings that I've documented and I can show you the drawings and they're all, and they're all um, outlined and documented. So they have, to, they have to think about how they're gonna show the evidence. At the end of the two week cycle, they provide the evidence. So okay. at, the end of, at the end of two week cycle, every student sort of wraps up that learning cycle, share with us your evidence. And it's either digitally or, or it's tangible. Um, and then they reflect on it. And so the reflection is a really important process. So at the end of the two weeks, they write a blog or do an audio blog. There's, there's various ways it's been done in the past. They do a blog post and we have reflection prompts about, you know, how did your two week cycle go? What was the new learning? How did that move you towards your bigger goal? What went well, what didn't go well? What are you thinking now that you weren't thinking at the beginning of this cycle? You know, what new questions do you have or what questions have you answered? And they have to they have to do this reflection process and then they set their next next set of goals. Next set of goals and we help them with that. So we assess them on the, the content knowledge, we assess them on communication skills, we assess them on project management skills, which is a real life skill. Yep. We assess them on the ability to you know, as we've practiced and showed them formatively, we, we sort of give them feedback on how well are they planning? How well are they um, understanding how to move themselves forward and, and thinking about that? So, and we give them a lot of feedback. You know, we always, we always tell the kids that um, we are far more um, concerned with them engaging in the process. I mean, we want them to learn content. That, that's, I'm not downplaying content. Right. But we much more want them to understand the, the learning process and themselves in that learning process and then build that content with the process because our belief is if they can if they can do the process if they get good at the process they can learn the content um, yeah and that's not and just for nexus that's for any class transferable right? transferable for the rest of their life so and then periodically then they have to show and communicate their learning to an audience so it might be to a table group in the room 
and that's why the cohort that's why the that's seminar why the, that seminar, why seminar works well because we believe it's important for them to communicate their learning to others so it might be a quick slideshow to the class you know so it might be like everybody's got two minutes you got to show people what you've done in the last two learning cycles you got four slides you know and it's very structured and then that forces them to be you know concise it forces them to think and, and what do I want to talk about um, and they have to reflect on their actual learning and bring in some artifacts to then show the group um, and at the end of every semester, we have something called the Nexhibition. Um, it's Nexus Exhibition, Nexhibition, a great play on words. And that's really like a science fair, craft fair, it's learning. It's a learn, it's, it's learning fair. fair. Yeah. And to, to bring in Grad Challenge, Nexus is like Grad Challenge on steroids. Yep. You know, yep. it is. I was going to make that analogy. It is, it is 100% what Grad Challenge was intended to be but with a lot more support and structure. Yep. And instead of just leaving a kid on their own for six months to like go get it done, they're in class. Some of the kids do their work outside of class. Sometimes they're not even with us in the seminar because they're in the shop or they're at their learning location. Kids get internships or shadow, go visit. We, we really ask them to um, find you know, quote unquote, community consultants was the term we used in Grad yep. Challenge. We, we sort of call them mentors in their field. So the ORCID student had this professor from the University of Michigan who was his, they, they communicated daily. And actually our student got to be such an expert in these ORCIDs that they were contacting him for information from around the world. <laughs> People, by the end of the four years, this kid was, was very, very respected uh, in that field very respected and very knowledgeable like really did the learning um and became somebody that other people came to as a resource like we had a high school student who was a resource for for others which was phenomenal um, but there's there's tons of projects kids are learning portuguese which well, I was just i was just going to ask what, yeah, what yeah. can before we wrap up what are some what are some examples of projects that that you have seen over the over the 6 years so, so many Religion, learning a language we don't offer like Portuguese or Dutch or Swedish. Um, a deep dive into something in the metal shop beyond what they've already done in, in metal. So a lot of kids want to do something specific and get better in welding or actually building and creating something they designed. There's a lot of design projects. We've had a student build a skateboard deck from nothing, designed it and 3D shaped it and built a mold and got the wood and compressed it in the bag with the epoxies and like there is so much learning. Yep. We've had kids build furniture. We've had kids write a book of poetry. We've had kids, uh, we had two students the very first year put on a play at the Black Box Theater at the Flynn that was for deaf and speaking actors. It was a musical. They got funding from uh, dealer.com. They hmm. they had a budget. They got actors. They had practices. They had rehearsals here at the school and down there for months. And they sold tickets and literally put on a production, three, hmm. three shows. It was amazing. And those students are now in juniors or seniors in college, and they're in theater ones at Pace and in the theater program and in, in stage management and the other ones at UVM. And so a lot of students um, are, take the advantage, take the opportunity of Nexus to think about, am I really interested in this? Is this something I want to continue in college or continue in life? Or maybe I think I'm interested in it. And we've had plenty of students who are like, no, I actually, you know, we had a girl who did a deep, deep dive in accounting and wanted to like be an accountant and spent a whole bunch of time and interviewed people and, and, and did some work with Tammy Joe and th that fits in a little bit more with the Nexus internship yep. side. Um, and then sort of decided like, you know, I don't know if I love this as much as I thought. And that's what's so powerful about yeah. these kinds of experiences is you find, you're finding that out in high school yeah. versus, all right, I'm enrolled in X institution yeah. at 50, 60K a year and I'm realizing eh, accounting's yeah. not really my jam yeah. and now what do I do? Yeah, yeah. Which, and I love that. I, I, you know, and we tell kids all the time, like, we love it when you get things wrong because that's a time to learn. Yep. You know, it's not about always getting the right answer. You know, we stress that all the time. It's not about having everything work perfectly. Like, we embrace things when they go wrong. We embrace when there's the struggle. And, and, we, and we help the student deal with the struggle. Like, I'm struggling with finding resources. Yep, that's a real world issue. You know, I'm struggling with my understanding. Yep. Okay. Let's 
let's see how we can work through that and who who can who can we get to help you with your understanding um so and time management you know a lot of students just under you know they're given some freedom they're given a lot of freedom with with boundaries i equate it to like bowling sometimes like we're giving you the whole lane we're giving you the wide open gutters if we feel like there's too many gutter balls, we'll put the bumpers up <laughs> and, yep. and we'll, we'll rein you in a little bit. So you're hitting some pins um, and then we'll pull the bumpers down uh, as needed. Um, so we feel like those are really, really valuable experiences for the students and they get to do it through a content area that they're excited about. Yep. So the struggle doesn't see, feel as bad when they're struggling with something they're really interested in. So I hope that answers a lot of your questions. It's open to everybody. Um, it's not a great fit for every student. And we talk to the students about, okay, here's the things that, we're, that you're going to be asked to do and that we're going to be doing. Some kids, um, it doesn't go well. You know, it's not, it's not a magic, you know, fix. Yeah, that for, was a question for, I wrote down is, is uh, it seems like um, it's not a class for everybody. No. It, it, you need to be um, kind of in to some degree, not to a large degree, to some degree self-motivated mm -hmm. um, and, and, and focused mm -hmm. in order to have a Nexus project really work because it's not something where um, you can be forced because it really is a, a passion project. Yes, yeah. there, we often tell students like 100% it's gonna be more work than you think doing Nexus. You're, you know, some students think, oh, I get to do what I want. It's going to be so fun. But you go to a French class every day when you go in there, the teacher has planned your learning. Yep. They have planned the activity. They have planned the discussion you're going to do. They have, you, you participate and you're engaged and you need to do that, but you didn't have to think about all those steps. The teacher has already done that. They say, okay, now it's time to move and get into this group. Now I want you to do this. Now I want you to watch this. In Nexus, you are the teacher and the student. Yep. <laughs> you are you are planning your learning and executing the learning, which is super powerful and super valuable. But some kids are like, you know, I just want to go to class and, and have somebody give me the things to do, right. which is totally appropriate and great. We have amazing teachers and amazing classes and, and fantastic learning opportunities in every single classroom here. This is just a variation for students who are motivated, who want something a little bit different, who want to embrace that challenge and want it to look a, a little different for them. So, um, you know, I pinch myself every day. I always say I have the best job in, in the world. You know, I get to help kids do these things they really, really want to do. Um, so it, it's exciting. Uh, and, and again, some kids, it's not the best experience for them. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say it works for every single student. Right. Nothing does. Um, but some students get to places like you just get out of their way and you let them go and, and you know, keep the, keep the parameters in, in check. And it's like, wow, I can't believe what you just did. We had a student several years ago who was building a robotic saxophone and did. <laughs> and this kid, you know, like some kids study engineering and some people are just an engineer. Yep. You know, it's like some people go to art class and some people are just artists. This kid was an engineer. <laughs> like he, it was just in him. And we used to have to literally boot him out of the Nexus room because he was working on his robot and the bell rang and he was trying to finish eating his lunch while he was working on his saxophone. And we're like, aren't you supposed to be in physics right now? Like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, so, you know, he was so, you know, driven by his project that we had to literally keep working with him to like, you know, you have other courses. Yep. You know, you have other things. And we know this is your passion, but you got to check these other boxes and do these other things as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Troy. I appreciate your time today. And uh, Thank you very much. Stan, can you tell us about kind of the history around the, the, the work that you're doing with CVU and St. Mike's? What's, what is the history and kind of the, the, the origin for that work? Yeah, it's really, uh, I guess it's really twofold. There are a couple of things. Um, for one, looking at dual enrollment offerings um, throughout the state that, uh, well, it's a great opportunity. It's not always the most available, accessible, and equitable. Because it uh, often requires a kid to get onto a college campus right. and oh. sit in that classroom with college-age kids. 
Yeah, so that even that immediate that immediately that eliminates a huge number of people yep. for a variety of just even logistical uh, reasons, or even just the, uh, the the social aspect of wanting to be on a on a college campus at that point. Uh, you know, and I think other options like there are some maybe that were online, uh, and that has its own challenges and its own uh, its own potential pitfalls and drawbacks. So really looking at uh, dual enrollment, that was one of the original questions. Dual enrollment, and how do we make it more um, more available, uh, more accessible? And then, uh, and then also uh, trying to look at our relationship in some ways with the with the college board and how um, uh, how reliant we are on, for instance, an AP test to uh, determine things like uh, like credit for a uh, college credit for a potential college credit replacement for a class. Because so, if you take an AP class and then don't get a certain score, that class that credit, quote unquote, is not going to transfer. Exactly. So you're looking at other ways students could take that AP class and assure that credit is transferable. And we did some research with that. We went back over the last five years of AP scores. Um, now, first off, not every kid takes the AP test in the class anyway. Right. So of all the kids who took the AP classes, and then it gets whittled down to those who actually take the test, um, pay for the test and take the test, and then have to get a score of whatever it may be, and those can differ from, from school to school. We used UVM as kind of our, our, bellwether. our, our bellwether, and uh, I don't have the numbers right here, but I think it was about over five years, 30% of kids ended up taking the test and with a score that would get them credit or potential credit at UVM of all the kids who took. AP. Um, at the same time, those kids were, the vast majority were doing a great job in those classes and were working their butts off throughout the year. And so uh, from, you know, all, all reports from our, from our faculty and from the work that the kids were doing, they were working hard, they were learning, uh, they were doing really good work, but a really small percentage of them were then actually getting that, I don't know if you want to call it reward, but that, that, that score at the end. And so, so that was the other, uh, the other thing that we were looking at. Um, whereas at looking at final grades, it's up over 90% that would get transfer, uh, ability to have transfer credit um, if they uh, could have another option. And so what we started to do is we started to explore um, a couple of things. There's this dual enrollment and almost concurrent enrollment. And so the idea of could we have classes that were held in CVU that could allow for college credit without simply being based on, a, on an AP test. So after talking with uh, a number of uh, local colleges and then other high schools in the area and, uh, and a couple outside of the area, um, we were in touch with, uh, with St. Michael's and that is where we ended up with an agreement with them where um, students taking uh, AP tests at, C excuse me, AP classes at CVU um, certain AP classes, I can go into that in a little bit, but certain AP classes were allowed to uh, use a dual enrollment voucher, or they could pay for it to be considered a, a class, but more likely to use the dual enrollment voucher, uh, where at the end of the year, they would get St. Michael's credit with the grade on the class, and then the ability to transfer that to another school. So, so they would get St. Michael's credit, meaning the grade is on their CVU transcript, mm -hmm. but they also have a St. Michael's transcript. Exactly. So if I'm taking AP Literature, uh, I end the year with an A- minus in AP Literature. Uh, St. Michael's has created a, uh, a concurrent kind of class for that that would say that that student also got an A- minus in this literature course through St. Michael's, uh, at which point a student would be able to then uh, look to transfer. So let's say that student wanted to go to UVM or that student wanted to go to Castleton or that student wanted to go... Uh, to Hamilton, then they would be able to look into transferring that credit uh, from St. Mike's to whatever the institution they were going to be at. You know, and it's and it's not perfect. It's just like where the AP courses, uh, the AP scores. Some schools have different scores that they will accept, and some will accept nothing, and some will accept this, or they'll accept it for placement, but they won't accept it for credit. Or they're all variable. Uh, they're variable with um, accepting credit as well, but uh, by all accounts and talking to admissions at St. Michael's, uh, they've had much more success with this transfer credit and uh, the majority of kids have been able to have success. Yeah, if you're transferring credit from an accredited institution, it's a little harder to have a blanket no. Um, so it seems it seems logical that, that, that it's students would have an easier time 
transferring credits than they would all right, I'm applying to these three schools. This school needs a four. This school needs a five. And so how do you balance what your AP score is versus where, whether or not you're actually going to get credit at a school? It's, it's, a, it's not a perfect system, but it sounds like there's, it's higher, there's a higher likelihood of being able to transfer the credit from institution to institution. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's well said, right? It's, the, it's, not, a, it's not perfect, but uh, there's going to be a higher likelihood that your hard work for your during that AP class is going to pay off with again either placement and or credit um, at the at, at a college. And it requires you to use a dual enrollment voucher, but not attend an online course synchronously or asynchronously with college students and be evaluated by college professors. You're at CVU in a class with your peers with a CVU teacher, kind of. It's 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 maintaining the integrity of that high school experience without pushing you to into that more perhaps uncomfortable place, but you still use a voucher. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So your your R two AP literature course uh, that you take every you know Monday and Wednesday with your CVU peers uh, for those deciding to use their dual enrollment voucher that that would be the course. And so not everybody who is in that class with you might decide to use their voucher. Sure. Some people may use the voucher. Some people may take the test. Some people may do neither. Some people may do both. Um, you know that. Okay. We, I was going to ask, can you do both? You can do both. And, you know, that was one of the things that certainly some kids asked. And there's certainly, uh, there's nothing uh, nothing stopping anyone from uh, from doing that. I think some people were wondering if, you know, one would have more likelihood at some schools than others. And and again, that's part of the thing that we're exploring and, and could be. So uh, I don't know what it'll end up being as far as, you know, numbers of who takes what or who does what. But, uh, yeah, those are the options. You may have kids in the class who are going to not take the test and not do the dual enrollment or do one of the others or, or see or, what they or do both. or both. Yeah. Uh, so we have, I think at last count when I was looking at the student, at the school profile, we have 11 AP classes. How many of them kind of fit into this category at the moment? So right now for this first, and this was something that really came about in the spring of last year, so huge credit to the teachers who were able to kind of work and make this happen. Right now we have five, five uh, of the AP classes, both AP Economics, the Macro and the Micro, uh, AP Literature, AP Environmental Science, and AP Biology are our five um, that are able to do this. Uh, our hope is to grow that. Uh, but you know, there are various hoops we have to jump through with St. Michael's to to make it work. So each class is a little bit different based on um, what they need, what the experience they need, um, examples they need, and so and so it's a a little bit of a wait and see. Our hope is to our hope is to grow it next year, and then you know down the road we've started talking to St. Michael's about. Um, we started with AP classes because that's a known curriculum, um, but down the road, we've been beginning uh, discussions about could we work in conjunction with St. Michael's uh, to create our own classes uh, and have them become dual enrollment. And that's something that they're excited to explore with us, and that's something that, that, ex that excites me going forward, too. Okay, some computer difficulties, and we lost some of what we were recording. Um, so, Stan, real quick before I let you go, how do we make sure this happens for students? Do they come see you? Do they come see me? Do people go to their classes? How do we yep. kind of make this happen? Yeah, so uh, we went in, or I went in to uh, a number of the classes in the fall, and then uh, in a couple of situations, the teacher kind of gave the information where we went through all of this. The students have, in theory, until March to, uh, to do this because it's considered a spring class at St. Mike's. But after, uh, after this week, so starting uh, the first or second week of second semester, uh, we're going to go back in and try to give a quick reminder and try to get students to um, request their dual enrollment voucher through their counselor. Uh, I think we're going to highly suggest to a student, if you have a dual enrollment voucher that's just sitting there and yeah. you've already started second semester, so it's just going to go to waste, why wouldn't you use it? Why use it? There's, a, uh, there's really no risk to it. Because um, you, you can't use it over the summer. Right, right. Once you're done, you're done. And so, uh, so we're going to go in, we're going to do that, try to get everybody's uh, to request their voucher from their counselor. And then uh, St. Michael's, a couple people from St. Michael's and admissions are going to come over during a C3. And we're going to try to get everybody who is going to take one of their classes as dual enrollment 
um, together, and then Janelle is going to work them all through the St. Michael's uh, paperwork right there. So it's all be done. Really? So it's so the only thing that a student is doing with me as the Fairbanks counselor is I'm making sure they have a voucher number, but somebody from St. Mike's is going to come here and walk through the registration yep. process. How do you how do you make all that happen so that the family doesn't get a $1,500 bill. <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, so I don't know what the date will be yet. We're working um, with uh, with St. Mike's, but uh, you know, near uh, probably the beginning of February, realistically, that we'll have someone from St. Mike's come, and she thought during a C three period that she'd be able to get everybody all uh, all set up. All set so, up. So yeah, that's a that's an amazing opportunity, and it sounds like it's got potential for a lot of growth. Yeah, that's. I think I, I'm really happy uh, for these for these five classes, and would love to see it grow uh, into other AP classes next year. And then, you know, longer term and bigger picture, uh, it could be really exciting if we could begin to develop our own courses uh, in conjunction with the colleges that would be able to get uh, again credit, um, but through a class that happens at CVU with CVU students with CVU teachers. Is this happening elsewhere? Like not just maybe in Vermont, but is this happening elsewhere in the country or is this kind of the new, because I remember it was when you and I started here, it was all AP all the time and that's kind of where we are and then it became dual enrollment opportunities and now we're moving into this is this kind of the the direction that a lot of schools are heading or seems to be there certainly there's a couple of schools in Vermont who are following suit with kind of this this idea that we're working with right now and um, and then you know others we've been in contact for, for instance the school in, in New York more and more early college schools where kids are taking uh, classes either in conjunction with the school or going to the school so the idea of taking the classes in the high school um, is relatively new, at least as far as you know, at least as far as we've been able to find out. But uh, but yeah, it's exciting to think about just the options that uh, students could have here that would be open to everybody and not based on if you have a car or the schedule or the time to get to, you know to a campus. Yeah, no limits. Yeah, exactly. no restrictions. Exactly. Cool. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thanks. Right, Tammy, let's talk about academic internship and, or as it's known now, Nexus internship. Um, and then we have one other one of your courses that, that I want to bring up before we end. Okay. So academic internship started, gosh, easily 25 years ago um, with our former principal, Val Gardner, recognizing that most seniors or many seniors only needed to accomplish two things get an English credit and do grad challenge and do that grad challenge experience outside of this, the CVU building. And I'm so passionate about learning that can happen outside of our school that I eagerly earned my English endorsement so I could teach it. And so for years with a variety of partners, you included Russ, um, we supported. Yeah, we did a darn good job teaching that class. Darn it was good fun. Job. It was so much fun. And we had students who were part of the 200 and 300 hour club, if you can yes. remember. So they were doing way beyond their grad challenge hours of 30 or 45 hours and really having these amazing experiences and then coming back into the class and sharing those experiences with their classmates. And it was just a wonderful community within CVU as they brought in their communities from outside of CVU and for, for so many years um, doing it in that capacity. The last three years, um, Nexus internship has been born as a way of kind of housing it underneath the more independent and flexible pathways that Nexus offers. Um, and with that, it's now a bit more flexible um, in, in how students can, can do the work. The way that it functioned this year is we had a seminar-based class semester one where we did all of the prep work for what it takes to find an internship um, to prepare yourself to be an effective intern, to really do some self-reflection around what jazzes you, what, what are you passionate about, and what are your goals and learning objectives around an internship. And then second semester, um, they don't have a class that they're attending. They are just full swing into their internship. Um, students are really excited. Some of them are still finalizing some of, of that work. And they'll be spending 80 to 90 hours in their internship. So semester two, they're, for 80 to 90 hours, they're off campus 
working at NRG or yes. I, I we we, we did um, talent skate park when it was in existence. We had somebody doing horseshoeing. Radio stations. Yeah. Um, you know, right now I have a couple of people at daycare facilities. Um, a fire and rescue is always a popular internship. Um, getting into the legal profession. So, you know, whatever their, their passion is. Um, architecture, I have a student who's doing an architectural design internship, really designed to, you know, support what they want. And this year, for the first time, students can also choose to take this class as a community college class and use their dual enrollment voucher. So out of the class, I would say the majority are planning on taking this for three college credits. Um, which is super exciting. Is that through CCB? It's through CCB. So yeah. that would be a dual enrollment voucher. Yes. In what what CCB class? Is it it's, like an English class? Is it an elective? It's an elective. They call it exploratory workplace experience. Okay. And that ties right into what we would do in, in our Nexus internship. Historically, with academic internships, students also earned English credit right. for their internships. Now that's an option. And I do have five students who are wanting to think about earning a half English credit through the work that they're doing in their internship. So that's kind of functioning more like an independent study than it used to. Yep. You know, when we were teaching it, they, we all read the same books and we talked about It was about a full credit things. of English. It was a full credit of English. And we wrote poetry and we did all of those pieces where now um, it's more that I'm facilitating independent studies for a half credit of English with students who choose to do it. So I have one young lady, she's going to be working up at Wild Roots First Roots, used to be a Nets preschool. Mm -hmm. And the woman there, she requires them, you know, all of her interns to do a lot of reading on child development, new trends in education. So she's planning on doing her English credit through all of the reading and reflection and new learning that she's getting from those resources. So everything is tied directly. All of the English credit is tied directly to their internship now. Um, Manageability-wise, it makes it a little bit tricky, but it does allow for a lot more personalization, and students are really excited about that. So that course has definitely evolved into something that, while they're still getting all the preparatory and support they need for the internship, um, also a little bit more flexibility with academic credit. I know there are also some students in that class that are working with Laura Gitlin and earning science credit. So the fire rescue person, um, we have a person who's doing athletic training, and Mara's been working on on the science. The science component. Yep. So, you know, thinking about how that's evolving um, is really exciting for students, too. So when, when families are thinking about and students are thinking about those dual enrollment vouchers that that everybody has two of, it, it, one of the trends that I'm hearing producing this podcast is that there are more and more of those dual enrollment options coming into the building so that students are not having to exit the building and go onto a college campus, sit with college-age students, which is a risk-taking in its in its own right mm-hmm. um, and is often an obstacle to success. Yeah, I definitely see it as an equity you know, option yeah. for a lot of students who don't have transportation. Absolutely. Or don't have the time in their schedule to fit in. You know, the college schedule is very different. So they might not be available Tuesday and Thursday, you know, from one fifteen to 2.30 because um, it doesn't fit into our schedule. So I love that there's more dual enrollment options happening for students here. And just having them build their confidence that they can handle the rigor of college work. Because even though it's happening here and it's happening with me, um, you know, CCV is expecting that I'm implementing the same level of rigor that they would experience. So, so do they get a CCV transcript for that class when they're done? They do. So in, in June, when I plug in all my final grades or mid-May, whenever our schedule ends, um, i got to keep all that straight. Um, they will be able to request a transcript from CCV. And then it will also show up on their CVU transcript that yep. they were taking a dual enrollment course. And so... Um, that's an important reminder that I always say to them. Don't forget that now you have a college transcript that you want to request and you want to have that become part yeah. of your, your portfolio. Because it's much computer. easier to transfer that college credit from institution to institution. Absolutely. And, you know, I say to the high school students, too, colleges are all pretty familiar with internships. They're a lot more prevalent um, yep. as a college student. Not so prevalent. We're getting there as high schools. But it looks really impressive to be able to send to a college that you did an 80, 90 hour internship as a high school student. Um, For sure. And, you know, makes you stand out if you're, you know, thinking about 
one more thing that you can do that's a great resume builder or a great skill builder for yourself that builds your confidence um, for where you're heading next. So the other course that you teach that carries the option for credit is financial accounting. And I think we would be remiss if we were sitting here having this conversation about flexible pathways and we only talked about Nexus internship. So can you give us a couple minutes or sentences on that financial accounting piece? Yeah, sure. Um, financial accounting. Cause it's a more special, though it's a more yeah. specialized group, it still is part of that yeah. flexible pathway with some sort of embedded college credit. Yeah, so I, I love financial accounting being a, a dual enrollment option here for my business students. Pretty vibrant business program here. So that's a pretty popular class. It's best for seniors, I'll have to say. Yeah. I do have juniors and seniors who take it. The reason it's best for seniors is that most of them are planning on studying business, right, and at college and, or in college. And so financial accounting is that entry-level accounting class that all business majors need to take. So it's been pretty common that a student will take that class here and be a college freshman taking the, the next same class. level or, or taking the next level because okay. they've already done that one here. So if there's too much of a gap between when I've done financial accounting and when I'm doing managerial accounting, um, it's a little harder. So it's perfect for high school seniors who will finish up financial accounting with me. Then in the fall, they're in managerial accounting quite often. Um, that next level, and they haven't lost such a time period between their learning. Um, they actually get four college credits um, for financial accounting because it's seen as a science, if you will, with a lab component. So three credits for the content and then that extra work that they're doing outside of class in the practice. And I, what I love about financial accounting is we get a whole year to unpack it. So if a student takes financial accounting at a college, it's 15 weeks. It's a chapter a week. They survive, um, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but we're able to create this really strong foundation for the next level. They officially become registered um, as a CCV student in the spring. So all fall, they're doing it with me um, as a CVU student and then transfer into that college um, transcript in the spring. So we have a lot of time to unpack the content and really make sure they understand it. Uh, one of my favorite classes to teach because I, you know, I, I get those kids who are just super excited about this is leading me to where I want to be in the future. Yep. And it's something that I know I need to, to do. Um, not all colleges will accept it and transfer. It depends on the business schools, but I've had great success with students having that credit transfer and then moving right into the next level. And like you said before, it, it it's one of those, it's a college class in a safer environment that can only build confidence. Exactly. And that's that's a pretty powerful thing as a student is looking to go off off to college. They're leaving home. They need to know that they can make this this life work. Yes. And if they've had success, then then they know that they can they can do it. So that class, I think you said it is also needs a dual enrollment voucher mm -hmm. and um is through CCV. Yes, and it's an option. I do have two students who aren't taking it for college credit. So it's always an option, right? right? But they're doing the same work, <laughs> um, but they're choosing not to do it, and that's totally okay too. One of the things I will mention is I'm noticing more students coming to a class like financial accounting, and they've already used their dual enrollment vouchers. So and that's what I, I was. I was wondering if you had if those two students were students who had already used or yeah. no, they didn't want to have to worry about it being a college transcript. Yep. Um, but I have had, like I have two students, two separate students now who have already used their, their vouchers. And because CCV sees things like Nexus internship and financial accounting as what they call concurrent classes happening at your high school while you're getting college credit, um, students can pay for the credit. And it's a really good bang for the buck. Right. So for about two hundred and forty five dollars, a student can pay to take the class and earn four college credits. Wow. So that's, that's a heck of a lot cheaper than matriculating and paying by credit. Yes. So I have two students who are excited to pay two hundred and forty five dollars to get four college credits because they're taking this class and it's considered concurrent. Um, and so that's always an option because I've had students who kind of like through history of this. Um, and me realizing this is an option now, I've had students who had chosen not to take it for college credit because they didn't have the voucher. Right. And now we're realizing that there is this way that we can work around that as well. That's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tammy. Appreciate you coming down. Yeah, thank you, Russ.
gonna flip the script a little bit. I'm gonna interview Susie Moakley, uh, my my co-conspirator on this podcast, to talk to us about the work that she does with CCV and their Intro to College and Careers course that is taught at CVU. Susie. Go ahead. So students have a great opportunity here at CVU to take a class in the fall. The, um, cl uh, the class is um, taught by a CCV instructor here at CVU. Is this a dual enrollment course, Susie? It is not a dual enrollment course, okay. Russ. So um, it's a little different in the sense that it is a um, really a college preparation course. So students do not e need to use a voucher. They do not get college credit, but they do get one full high school credit for a semester of work which is a really good deal. They get uh, a half of an English credit and a half of an elective credit. So a lot of our students really like that idea of getting some of their English credit um, in that course yep. and also learning some really valuable skills. So, um, you know, it's a semester course. It runs on the CCV schedule. So um, students will start a little bit later in the semester than CVU and they finish up a little earlier, which they um, tend to like. And uh, then they have a free block. Yes. And, um, you know, the course is really designed to get students ready for college. Um, the instructor works on um, helping students set goals, um, manage time. Um, improve communication skills, um, and then a lot also of executive functioning. Yeah, executive stuff. functioning, and then so you know, how do we take notes in college? How do we work through test anxiety? Um, how do we manage our time and our stress levels? Um, and then you know, on the other side of it, when we're thinking about our future and we're thinking about um, higher education, how do we plan financially? You know, and how do we understand how that system works, which I think is really helpful for um, this age group to have a good grasp of, um, both at, you know, planning for, you know, the investment of higher education, but also life planning around finances. So, um, you know, a lot of things are learned around how to read a pay stub and um, how to, you know, what does it mean to do your taxes? And, you know, then also looking at, you know, how do you read a financial award letter? Um, you know, what are the forms that need to get filled out? So I think it's a really comprehensive um, course that um, students benefit from, and um, you know I think polling students. You've had some students in it, Russ. Yep. How do you how do you feel like? What have they responded? Uh, some have done really well, and some have really felt like they weren't ready for that level of college challenge. Mm -hmm. it, it was it just it was not a it was a good fit for some and not a good fit for others. And the question I was going to ask you is: Is this class? a class that students should take prior to using a dual, dual enrollment voucher. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, good, that's a good point, Russ. I think that it gets students ready for college level work by teaching all these skills. And, and to say that it's you know, an easy class would not be accurate. I mean, I think it is a doable class and yes. it, they don't give, you know, it's not like there's so much homework or there's a lot of tests, but there are, um, you know, responsibilities on the student's part to learn the material and engage in class. It's a very um, engaging class. There's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of group work, um, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, just talking together about, you know, what it means to be college ready. And I guess I, I, I feel a little bad saying that it didn't work for some of my students, but those students were students who were not ready for a college class. Yes. And even though it was on our campus, that the fact that the course was taught by a CCV professor just as they would have taught a normal college class, they just weren't ready. They didn't yeah. have those, they didn't have enough of those inherent skills um, to, be, to be successful in the class. And yeah. if they were to do the class the following year, they would have been, they would be just fine. And I think it's a really great class for somebody to, to get an understanding of that. You know, for students, we, have, we also have a lot of students that take the class and they do really well. And they didn't think they were college ready, but they actually but now are. They know they are. Yeah, and so it builds their confidence to then go on and use a voucher, which and is really important as well. Who's eligible for the class? Is this class just for juniors, or can we put sophomores in the class? We could put sophomores in the class, but I think as school counselors will be mindful of that. But um, sophomores, juniors, seniors, I think are most appropriate, you know, because it is a fall semester class. We do have some seniors that take the class. It would be a, a real sort of go-getter sophomore who was ready to, you know, think about that. And so when you have, in the past, and I don't know if this is still the case, Susie, but in the past that that course was labeled as Intro to College Studies, 
if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, and it was often used by CCB as the prerequisite for other courses within their programming. Is that is that the case? Instead of having a student have to take the Accuplacer or show a transcript where they show proficiency in a specific de uh, department area, if they're wanting to take an English class or a math class, they if they had that Intro to College and Careers course, they were eligible to take a class. Is that still the case? I don't think that is still the case. Okay, I, mean, I think that, that students, it's, I more, it's that more of an optional class to get you ready. I know that kind of thought process is out there because yeah. I've had teachers who understood the old yeah. thing come down and say, if we do this, can we do that? Yeah, and I, I actually am not sure. They used to give the acuplacer right in the class as part of the class. Yep. I don't know if that was done this fall. I don't frankly. think it was because now they're move, they have moved more towards, I see more transcript requests. And I just heard from um, the Burlington Technical Center that starting second semester, they're now sliding back more towards Accuplacer. So we'll see what CCB does, which, you know, it's, it's a moving, moving target. But anyway, um, great opportunity for uh, CVU students. Think about it for the fall. Um, and it's only offered in the fall? Only offered in the fall. Okay. All right. Thanks, Susie. You betcha.